we're using him as a buffer to say, God, please don't let this happen to me. I'm a child of God. (laughs) Please, I love you, Lord. (laughs) And I think that sometimes we just have to recognize at the end of the day, God is still good. No matter what may come our way, it doesn't mean it it may not be difficult, but God, you will see me through it. Yes. The waiting season is something that everyone is familiar with because it's really that season of preparation before God does the next thing that he's called you to do in life. And so for me, I've had many encounters with the waiting season. I'm in one right now, um, but just in different areas of life. But one of the most impactful ones that really taught me how to wait was when I was going through a transition in what I thought was like a career, not even just a career, but identity, right? Mm. Because I was in um, the real estate field and I was flipping properties, um, but I had put my identity into that. And so when God had told me to come out of it into a season of waiting that now transitioned me into ministry, mm. um, what was so beautiful, because I, I went through all the phases. I went through anger, I went through joy, sadness, confusion, anxiety, like God, <laughs> I hear this wrong? Like, what am I doing? Because it brought me to my natural lowest place. Um, But not even recognizing that spiritually, I was being so equipped. And it was in that season that just the realization that God is a God of seasons. Mm -hmm. Everything Mm -hmm. he does, he does through seasons of your life. Mm -hmm. And he is also over it. So he has control of that. I cannot pray my way out of a season. I cannot fast my way out of a season. There is nothing I can do to get out of a season before it's time. And Mm -hmm. so in that place, I I began to realize, okay, it's not about rushing to come out of this, Mm -hmm. but being equipped while I'm in it. So God, what are the things that you want to show me? What are the things you want to teach me? What is the direction for the now? And it taught me to be present because I found myself in moments of prayer and fasting and declaration, but the heart behind that was fear. And it was a place of God. I just want this to end. <laughs> like, can we move on to the next thing? Because there's just, it just feels like I'm living in this place of uncertainty for a long time. And my family's wondering, what are you doing with your life? And yeah. you're volunteering. Like, what are you doing with your life right now? But when I got to that place of God showing me, look, I'm in charge of this and it is a word I've given you and I'm working something in you that you cannot on your best day do on your own. And so I just submitted to it. I surrender to the process. And so I think waiting with hope is when you recognize that it's not just for what you're waiting for, right? If you're waiting for, you know, a purpose to come alive or a job or a marriage or whatever. It's not just what you're waiting for, but it's who you're waiting with. Yeah. And yeah. in that time, what, how, who is he making you become? You know, I think about like even Peter, when after the Lord had ascended and the, the people saw Peter and they're like, wow, they look like men that have been with right. Jesus. Yes. And in that waiting season, God is like equipping you in a way that will cause you to look more like him mm-hmm. so that when you're launched into whatever next stage of your life, you're launched with you know, the embodiment of his nature. You know, you're launched with exuding the fruits of the Holy Spirit and you're not wavering. You know, you're not easily um, swayed into the wrong thing or easily swayed into, you know, whatever could cause you to compromise because you've been anchored in that waiting season. And so that's how I wait with hope. You know, I really recognize that the person who owns this season is not me. 
the Lord owns this and I cannot get myself out of it. So I might as well surrender to it mm-hmm. and just allow him to do his work in me for whatever he has for me. Mm-hmm. And so how do you all wait with hope? You know, it's interesting when, um, when I was in seminary in London, when I was 19, I, I went to seminary because I wanted to be a missionary in India mm-hmm. because I couldn't think of anything I would hate more. <laughs> I, I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but I really thought, you know, if your own earthly father seems to hate you in the end, yeah. it's yeah. I've projected that onto God. So I need to be perfect so that God won't stop loving me. So I thought, well, I hate traveling. It makes me sick. And there's a lot of weird critters that live in India. So that's why I went to seminary. And like, it's getting close to the end. Everybody else knows where they're going. I had applied to two or three places and they turned me down. I mean, it was just like, no, this is not, we don't feel this is for you. And it's getting closer and closer. And I began to really panic because I thought, Lord, I thought this was what you want. Um, did I get it completely wrong? Mm-hmm. I mean, am I just going to go now and, you know, work in Walmart, which is a perfectly wonderful job, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to wait with hope. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to chapel one morning. It's like maybe five days before graduation. And whoever was leading chapel was speaking from Isaiah, remember not the former things, nor think on the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. Now it springs forth, do you not perceive it? And I thought, yeah, that's a great verse. Went back to my <laughs> dorm um, and I decided to take a nap and a friend pushes something under my door and she's taken that verse and, and she has this beautiful calligraphy mm-hmm. handwriting and she wrote out that verse. And I was like, oh, she must've been in chapel too. That's lovely. <laughs> And as the day goes on, and later that night, I can't sleep, it's three or four in the morning. And and I so get up and I'm kneeling down beside my bed and I'm just asking the Lord, Lord, what do I do? And and my Bible falls open. And my reading for that day was from Isaiah. And it was it was like this thing of I am doing a new thing, you know? It's not that you have to find a new thing. It's like, I'm preparing a path, you know, I am making a way. And so it got up to graduation day and I'm graduating and I don't have a clue where I'm going, Mm -hmm. but I have this assurance. Because when God Mm -hmm. says, hello, 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 (laughs) four times, you know, it's like you really kind of start to, and literally on graduation day, head of European Youth for Christ said, God has told us that you're the next person that's supposed to be working wow. with us. Wow. And I was in Holland by the next week. Wow. But to me, it's when you're genuinely waiting and you're struggling to have hope, it's like, ask God to give you unstopped ears yes. and eyes to see what you might be missing. Because yeah. I realized that God had been speaking to me for a lot, but I was expecting to get a letter that looked like that, right. whereas right. God was speaking over my life mm-hmm. that, yeah, I still pray that prayer every day. When I get up, I did it this morning. I pray, God, give me ears to hear what I wouldn't hear without you and give me eyes to see what I would miss without you. And for me, that's what waiting with hope, because it's like, you've never failed me before and I've got a pretty good, you know, conviction. You'll not do that again. How you surrender to God in the waiting is spending time in His Word and gaining a clear understanding of what His promises are. And I believe the best way to understand and live out those promises is not only to see the Word as it's written on paper, to read it, to interact with it, to meditate it and think on it, but to actually declare it out of your mouth and into 
the, the audio space, to hear it said back to him out loud that his promises are true, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is working all things for your good. We do not need to fear. We do not need to be dismayed. He is our God. He will strengthen us. He will help us. He will uphold us with his righteous right hand. Once you land on those scriptures and you see them on paper in the enlightened word of God, you, you know, you can hear them spoken to you, but I think there is so much power in speaking them back and into your reality and making them a part of your day-to-day, -day, not just something that you would receive through your eyes and into your own ears, but something that you declare in truth out of your own mouth gives legs to it. And it's the step that you need to take to then put those promises into action in what you say and what you do and how you choose to interact with yourself and other people. My husband has a habit of when when we're reading the Bible or when he hears something, he'll just put in a text and go, Sheila, what does the scripture mean waiting on the Lord? Yeah. Pastor so-and-so, what does this, and he just texts a whole bunch of his little list, you know, and so they all answer back. So he'll just sit there at the table and just, you know, answer back about what all these pastors right. and friends. Yeah. And one of them said, uh, about what does the scripture mean just waiting on the Lord? And he said, what if you woke up every morning expecting that God was going to do something good in your life today? Yeah, I love that too. And I love the scripture that says like that. that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, mm -hmm. so if we keep our mind on him, if we keep seeking who he is mm -hmm. and the knowledge of who mm -hmm. God is and we delight, he'll give us the yeah. desires of our heart. Mm -hmm. We've often said that he'll give us the desires. So if I want that new car or if I want that, yeah. it's not, doesn't have anything to do with that. He'll yeah. give us yeah. the desires. Yeah. Right. He'll make you want to, yeah, or he'll open those doors and you go, oh man, that's something that yeah. feels like I, I have longed for all my life, mm -hmm. you know? And um, so I think that's a, a great way of of waiting with hope is just, mm -hmm. God's gonna do something great today. And I know that and I have hope in that. What a great prayer tip to pray every morning. Yeah. Yeah. And I love in Isaiah what it says, those who wait on the Lord will renew this. And when you go back to the original language there, it, may, it means look expectantly. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that's like becoming yeah. a God stalker, yeah. you know, where you're yeah, just exactly. looking for the Lord to yeah. show up. Yeah. But I, I love that. I might start, yeah. start praying Yeah, in that. the morning, because I journal with, in, in prayer. Mm -hmm. And at the end of my journal, I always put, God, what are we doing today? Mm -hmm. oh, so not that. just what I have an expectation yeah. for, but what do you have in mind? Yeah. And right. what I love about that prayer when you say open my eyes, right? Because yes. it opens my eyes to see God in a way I would have missed him. Yeah. And I've written some really bold things down and I've I've seen God move, or I, I move, and then it, it also propels me to move with that expectation to see God in that way. And so I love that so much. Yeah. Well, and we can waste our season of waiting. Yes. yes. You know, like the right thing in the wrong season yeah. is the wrong thing. Yeah. And, and I have learned that seasons are actually given to us to season us. Mm -hmm. They actually shape and season us. I have a husband who is OCD which means he eats blueberries every single day. Hey. And I, no, it's wrong if it's the Easy. wrong season. It's wrong if it's the <laughs> wrong season. Nasty. Yeah, and so I've told him, you've got to eat the fruit 
of that season. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I said, in autumn, you're supposed to eat things that are root vegetables. Mm-hmm. In winter, there's nutrients that come in a season. It maybe doesn't taste as good as blueberries, <laughs> but you need to eat something that's been grounded, mm-hmm. not something that's been grown off of a bush. And so we have to understand that our relationship with God is kind of in a similar pattern that we cannot, we cannot hurry winter. We can't make Mm -hmm. it end faster, but we can choose how we're going to weather it. And are we going to celebrate winter? Are we going to come in? Are we going to have a season of rest? Are we going to have a season of warmth? Are we going to invite other people into that? And so I think that too many people are looking to the next thing Mm -hmm. and they miss what God wants to do in their now thing. And I know for me, I, you know, I was asking God, what are we doing? What do we, like, I want to, I want to get to the next mm-hmm. because this is so uncomfortable in the now. Mm-hmm. And he was so clear with me. I need to do something in your now yeah. right. or you won't have your strength of this next. season mm-hmm. in your next season. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes we're in a season where we're in winter and our friends are in summer mm-hmm. and it's aggravating because they don't understand. Like, why do you look like that? Yeah. Why are you acting like that? You know, you know, I'm like, I, cause I am in a different season than you. Yeah. And so there's seasons within seasons for those who listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes tells us that to everything, There is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. So what I have learned is if you are in one season and all your hope is in the next season, then you will not get the strength of that season. The right thing in the wrong season becomes the wrong thing and the wrong thing in the right season is definitely the wrong thing. But life is seasonal. We go through seasons as people. We see spring, summer, autumn, winter. And in a winter, you can't stop the cold. You can't stop the rain if you live in a different climate. But what you can choose is how you're going to weather a season of winter. In a season of winter, things get pruned from your life. In a season of winter, certain things that die off, that need to die off. But in a season of winter, you can hope knowing that spring is on the other side. The greatest mentors in my own life have have been women. And that's why I'm really praying for where we are right now in the church, that God will raise up more female mentors. You know, that we'll be able to look Um, our younger sisters coming up in the faith and and encourage them and share your life, share your story. You know, God loves to tell stories. And I think that whatever you have gone through in your life, you're going to find that when you get to the other side and your, you know, wounds are no longer open wounds, they're scars, you're able to help those who are coming behind you and let them know, you know what, God took me through this and he's going to help you too. Connect with us on social media. Like, comment, and share your favorite moments from today. Join the conversation with women all over the world getting better together. What are we going to do? I know there was a season for me where all I did was complain. And I think even though you can't hurry a season, I believe you can make it longer. I think through complaining, like the children of Israel, mm-hmm. I lengthened some of my harder seasons wow. because I didn't sing my way out of it. Yeah. 
And I think there's something about singing in a season where you have no hope that is so irresistible to God. I remember, um, I thought I was pregnant with my first child and it ended up being that I had a cyst that had exploded and I went to the, and I was so like ready. I was yeah. ready to have a baby and I was so excited. And I, I thought I was, I thought they were going to tell me I was pregnant and they're like, well, actually you just have a cyst. And I remember driving back and you will know this song, the Twyla Paris song, Do I Trust You, Lord? Mm. And I just remember driving back in my car and singing that song hmm. at the top of my lungs. You know, it rains in spring. You you can read my mind. You know, you know my heart. Hmm. And it, there's just something about when you sing your way through one season that God can often meet you into another season. I think yeah. we think complaining our way into the presence of God, but it actually says by praise and thanksgiving, yeah, we go amen. into His courts. Mm. And I just think too many people don't understand the strength of hope in a season that feels hopeless. Yeah, so it's super easy to complain. <laughs> I find that very easy. It just rolls from my tongue a lot. but. That is not the way to do life. And I know that and you know that. And it doesn't make you feel better. It doesn't change things. Only makes things worse. So that's when you have to train your tongue. You have to choose life. You have to choose to speak life. And sometimes that takes discipline. It takes discipline for me to do that sometimes. I can say stuff and then I think, oh man, I can't get by with doing that anymore. I know better. And so you choose life. You speak good things. You choose to speak life and and whatever you need to, to do to change your circumstances around, to magnify the Lord, to start being thankful, and that changes your world. In the natural, it feels like when we're waiting, we've missed an opportunity or something's happening that we're not aware of and we're supposed to be a part of it, and there's that lack or, you know, a lack of belonging for, um, but I think it, it, this led me to Galatians 6 where it says, therefore we have the opportunity, let us do good to all. And I think what, what we would maybe see in a season of waiting as a missed opportunity for something that we wanted or we're hoping for, or we're waiting for God to do. It's really, there are, there are so many rich opportunities yeah. for ministry, for reaching out to people, for, you know, in the season where we're waiting for that next thing or God, what do you have for me? What, what mm -hmm. should I be doing is always the question that I find yeah. myself. I try to redirect my brain. And I read a book um, by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God, yeah. where he talks about so often the prayer is, you know, what should I do? Where should I go? What should I be thinking or saying? Or, or, you know, my, in my dealings with people and in my dealings with you, Lord. And the question really is, God, no, not what should I be doing, but God, what are you already doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Yeah. And what what would you like to be? What's my part mm -hmm. in entering in to further your work, mm -hmm. to build the kingdom, to advance the gospel? Where are you already at work? Would you show that to me? Because yeah. you're busy, you're on the move, even in my season of waiting, yeah. and there's things you want me to know, and there are things you'd like me to do. I think when we find ourselves in winter, it's tempted to think God's not with us. Mm -hmm. You know, when we're in a summer season or spring, when things are blossoming and growing, mm -hmm. then we think, gosh, the Lord's favor is really <laughs> on me. And then you go through a season of winter and you're like, well, where did you go? Yeah. But that, that's why I always find the life of Joseph in Genesis mm -hmm. so encouraging.
encouraging mm. because here's this young guy who knows that God has this special calling on his life and he ends up being trafficked by his own brothers. Mm-hmm. And, and yet the interesting thing is at that point when he's trafficked to Egypt or when he's lied about and ends up in prison, it says the same thing, and God was with him. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that's been so helpful for me mm-hmm. when it seems like nothing is moving in the direction that I thought it would, mm-hmm. or you know maybe somebody else was given an opportunity that I thought God had prepared me for. Mm-hmm. I've learned to thank God for things like that and know that God is with me. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to remember that, that there's nothing lost in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and yes. the fullness thereof and all. They that dwell therein, and I think sometimes when we're waiting, we're thinking we're, we think yeah. we're losing time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're losing something because it's not coming. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wasting my time, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm losing something where God can make up in a moment's time, mm-hmm. yeah. more and and then give you abundantly more than you ever dreamed possible. The point that God is not a waster, right? right? He doesn't waste nothing with our lives. And that's why even early in the week when we talked about how there's some things, Lisa, you mentioned this, there's something God allows and something God authors, right? But the beauty in all of it is that even in what he allows, he uses that to work for your good. Because even with Joseph, I think Joseph was another person who hoped against hope, you know, because when he would have those comments like, hey, tell the king, I don't belong here. It could tell you where he was mentally. Like, (laughs) I am not supposed to be a slave. He could not, I don't think in that moment he recognized like, wow, God, you're going to make me, you know, a ruler in Egypt. (laughs) No. (laughs) There was nothing like that. But he had, he knew who was with him. And we see that through his integrity that was displayed. And he became what he was going to need when God's opened the door, he was ready. He'd been in prison. He'd learned how to speak, you know, the language, everything. It was just, but one of the things I read recently, I loved, I read it in Decision Magazine from the Billy Graham organization. And it's one of his, um, it's Will Graham's, one of his daughters. Mm -hmm. And she has a learning disability and it can take her a lot longer to do something than some other kids. Mm -hmm. And her mom wrote in this article that they'd watched something about life under sea and they were watching how oysters um, produce pearls. And it's when a little grain of sand gets inside and irritates the flesh. Mm -hmm. And so the oyster will cover it in saliva and calcium. And it takes about three years and then there's a perfect pearl. Mm -hmm. And one day she's listening to her daughter in the kitchen at the table trying to do her arithmetic homework. And she's getting so frustrated and throwing her pencil against the wall. And the mom calls into her and said, "Um, just wait a minute, honey, I'll come in and I'll help you. And this eight-year-old girl at the time said, it's okay, mom, I'm making pearls in here. There's something about the waiting period. God is doing something and something beautiful is going to emerge. I don't know what season of life you're in at the moment. You might be in one of the best seasons of your life. And if you are, then all of us here rejoice with you. You might be in a very difficult season and our hearts are with you. And it's just, it's one of the realities of being a human being on this planet, that we're all in different seasons at different times because God has a very particular relationship with you. You know, sometimes it's easy to quote John 3.16, for God so loved the world. But some days when you read that, put your own name in there. For God so loved Sheila, for God so loved 
your name, that he gave his only begotten son. And we're all on an individual journey with him as much as we are as the body of Christ preparing for his return. So don't let it throw you if you find yourself in one season and maybe someone you love is in a different season. Just know that the Lord is with you both and there's something happening in us in every season of life. I have a very pregnant daughter-in-law right now. And she, yes, and she, but she is being enlarged in the waiting. And we think we're being diminished in the waiting. And this baby, what is in her is growing. And there's that, Romans talks about that. We're enlarged in the waiting like an expectant woman. So when the fullness of time comes, she's going to give birth. And I love the example of Joseph. He's in the prison, but what is he doing in the prison? He's actually creating order for everything that's under his care, but he's also he's also interpreting other people's dreams. Yeah. And when you're in a season of waiting, God watches how you handle what is other people. Yes. I know that your season of waiting, you were serving. Mm-hmm. Most people, also you go from flipping to serving, which it looks like your whole world was just <laughs> yeah. flipped, flipped, flipped over. But see, people don't understand. It's yeah. very strategic how you do it. And when you serve in secret, that is when God says, I can trust you with yeah. something in the open. So yeah, so like, you know, I know I know Christian's super uncomfortable and I text her every day, how are you doing? She's like, it's it's just getting bigger. It's yeah. just getting bi- it's just getting bigger. And I think she's like, we need to get this out before, before it gets any bigger, but in the fullness of time. Yeah. Right. And I think people just don't understand that there is an enlargement of faith there is an enlargement of hope. Mm-hmm. There is an enlargement of love, how we trust God, how we say we're not going to give way to fear. So I love that whole concept of being enlarged in the waiting yeah. in that, this moment. That speaks so deeply to my current season of waiting because we've been on an adoption journey for the last several years, oh, wow. like middle of the pandemic, moved, had a home study, invalidated it when we crossed yeah. state lines and you know built a home in a different place. But had a baby in the middle of that. And we just, we, we've spent this time knowing and reminding ourselves that God is going to grow our family at His appointed time. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to be done in the waiting to prepare our family, to have conversations with our children, to, to set up our home and our life rhythms in such a way that would welcome a new son or daughter mm-hmm. at whatever time God appoints. And those are seeds to be sown because we can trust that the fruit is coming. Mm-hmm. Whether you're, and it's so funny, it was described to me as um, regardless of if you're on a, you know, you're going to adopt a baby or you're having one biologically, there are labor pains associated. Yeah. <laughs> and I never viewed it like that. But I think when you really think about yep. it, you know, there are, there is pain in the waiting and mm-hmm. your body's growing and changing, yeah. but no matter how God wants to do that for our family, we, we're training ourselves to see it as an invitation for God. He would like us to know something different, yeah. to grow our faith in such a way, and to also go out and do things while we wait yeah. that will mm-hmm. grow our character, grow our perseverance, have us practicing patience in a very practical way. You know, the, the scripture that says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So that means that during the waiting, your strength is being renewed. (laughs) That means you're getting stronger in that wait. That means that while I'm waiting for God to do something good in my life and expecting, I'm expecting good things to happen in my life, during that wait of worship and of praise to the God of all hope, 
is strengthening my inner core to be able to handle what's coming up next. Romans 8, 25 says, but if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. Mm-hmm. I remember a time in our lives when uh, we were scrambling to pay bills, pay staff, do our vision up in Los Angeles of creating movies. And, and I walked out and, and I said out loud, I said, God, if you would just keep, keep us from scrambling so hard, look at all that we could be doing for you. And before I got the words, look at all that we could be, it was like the most gentle two by four. And I thought that's the most arrogant thing I've heard anybody say, and I said it. Look at all that we could be doing for you. I felt like I had a right heart. Mm. If you would, and he said, don't ever think it's anything that you do for me, mm-hmm. but what I can do on the inside of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in that waiting, in that period, there are things that God wants to transform mm-hmm. inside of our lives and to That's rest right. in the fact that nothing is lost in the kingdom yeah. of God and right. in his due season and yeah. in his due time. Mm-hmm. So let patience have its perfect work so that you're complete Mm. and entire lacking nothing nothing. from God. That's what that waiting does for us. Because we think we are ready. Yeah. And he's like, baby girl, I know you're not ready. I'm not ready weeks ago. No. John John was making fun of me. We had, again, going back to the pregnancy thing, back when I had babies, they didn't do sonograms. So we had no idea. Like, And I remember getting so uncomfortable. My baby was due June 12th, and I started saying mid-May, I could, I could go into labor any yeah. minute, any minute now. <laughs> and John was like, I, I feel like, I feel like this. And I had that baby June 26th. So I, for a month, tortured myself. Yeah. Every twinge. Yeah. Yeah. Could be labor. Yeah. Could be labor. But I remember I finally said, I need to stop making everybody crazy. And I just need to put my hand to the plow and do the work that was in front of me. And I was pulling cables on the floor at a television (laughs) studio the night before I had Addison. And when you get busy in one season, Mm. it actually makes the waiting more fulfilling. You know, one of the ways I learned about timing was when I actually gave birth to my kids. I tried so hard with my first son to make that thing happen. And what I found out was I had a baby and I soon would have the baby, but I could not hasten the timing. And some of you out there, you have a promise in your heart. You're carrying it in your heart. And the day's gonna come where you will actually bring that thing forth, but you don't have control over the timing. Mamas know that they can't control timing, but when it is time, you will know that it is time. Another thing with the waiting season is that if you're caught off guard, if, you're, if your vulnerability turns into doubts and complaints, that's when the enemy starts presenting counterfeits. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
and you give in. And that's often how we we end up prolonging a season because now I'm entertaining the false thing in my life. I'm entertaining counterfeits just to feel better, Mm -hmm. just to feel like, okay, I I had a way to, you know, (laughs) a shortcut to what God had promised. And it's nothing even close to what God promised because even when I think about the Israelites in the wilderness, the key thing was for them to recognize that the Lord is God. But when they started embracing counterfeits, going back to the gods of where they came Mm -hmm. from, now their journey is getting prolonged even more. But it was in that place of vulnerability, of questioning. And so I think it's in our humility that we surrender. Mm -hmm. In our humility that we say, God, I think I'm just, you know, I was ready two years ago, but maybe I'm not. You know, and let me just enjoy this season. Let me, you know, open my eyes to show me what are the things you want me to work on now? What are the things that you have planned for me to do now? And not just about what's going to happen then. And so I thank God for that because even when I met my fiance, things moved very quickly. And it could because we were both very healthy. Yelena emailed us and she wrote, do all dreams Christians have come from God and have meaning. So do mm-hmm. all dreams come from all God? All dreams. Yeah, she did say okay. all. There's all. Oh, okay. And do they all have meanings? All dreams are not, you know, God is not the source of all of them because dreams are influenced really by what we give our heart towards too. Mm. And so when your affection, even even without knowing the Lord, sometimes he can still invade your dreams because he is sovereign, right? But dreams can also be influenced by your soul realm, your emotional state, um, the things that you're, if you're watching a scary movie at night, that could influence a nightmare. Um, But then dreams could also be influenced by what you are exposed to, right? Because it is a spiritual place where God can encounter you, um, the world can encounter you, and sometimes the enemy could plant seeds there and so not all dreams come from the Lord and that's why I would say not all dreams also have meaning because if a dream is from the soul realm um, that's what we refer to as a pizza dream but to not overlook any dream that's what I will always encourage because even what you might call a pizza dream might just have a hidden meaning and that's when God speaks to us through a parable so it might have all these like layers and you don't get it but the Lord is actually has hidden his word in that dream um But I would encourage you just, you know, in cultivating relationship with the Holy Spirit, um, he can definitely use your dreams. I'm a big dreamer. God speaks to me heavily through dreams. Um, But yeah. Same. Yeah. Right. Because even so many things you have done in your life. But you know what? You can pray before you go to bed. Exactly. Yeah. I believe it's cultivating your dream as holy ground. I do it all the time. I say, God, as I'm going to bed, encounter me. Yeah. And I I prepare myself to hear from the Lord. I leave a journal by my bed. Same. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, God, you encounter me. It's, it is, there's something about dreams that is so remarkable. There's something about that rest time that is so remarkable. And I believe that it was always the design of God to meet us in the place of that rest, because there's nothing that is combating our ability to hear from him. Yeah. So I would just say, pray and ask God to speak to you during the night watches. And if it's a dream that I find it's from God, it will stay with me. Yeah, it will stay with me. It will linger. Sometimes I'll wake mm-hmm. up and I'll remember a dream, but then two minutes later, I don't remember it. Yeah. But if it is a God dream, and it usually wakes me up in the middle of the night, I'll write it down, yeah. or it will stay with me through the day, and mm-hmm. then just pray into what the yeah. interpretation is. Absolutely. Get the latest Better Together news delivered straight to your inbox. Visit BetterTogether.tv to sign up now. 
believe there's a supernatural hope, but there's also a hope that's not good. And I think a lot of people also. Mm-hmm. have a hope that's almost evil intended mm-hmm. that something bad mm-hmm. is going to happen. Mm-hmm. That squelches faith. Yes. Yeah. When you live with this dread or fear of yeah. what might happen. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to just throw a damper. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Actually, I think that's really good. But I think there's that's a really supernatural hope. No, I think that's an issue now. Yeah. 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 I have a friend going through something very unjust right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were texting last night, and she just said, it just, our, even our attorneys are just saying everything is wrong. And I said, listen, those people didn't call you, mm-hmm. they can't stop you. Mm-hmm. And what is Jesus doing? Because every end is actually a beginning. That's so right. you need to stop looking back at what yeah. was or what's been lost, and you need to step in to what, what God has for you yes. in this new season. And just too many of us, we we despair. She, it keeps getting worse. It keeps getting worse. Well, yeah. maybe it's time to step step aside on some stuff yeah. and and say, you know what? I'm not going to live in the yesterday because I do believe that if you look back, you go back, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I, all I know is for me, I tried to figure out why, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Yeah. And God said to me, you're asking the wrong question. Yeah. He said, Lisa, you can spend your whole life figuring out why you're messed up and you yeah. will still be messed up once you know why. Yeah. He said, knowing why doesn't set you free. Knowing me sets you free. That's right. And so I had to lean into him. So good. And and so I'm searching my life by paths of darkness instead of by light. And then, you know, God will show you all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, of course that was it. Okay, that makes sense now. But he wants to bring healing so that we can have hope in the process. I heard Dr. Anita say, um, and she said, do you want God to answer your question? Or do you want him to heal your heart? And I love that statement so much because many times we think that we just want an answer. Like, God, why is this and why is that? Not recognizing that what we're really crying out for is I need you to heal me. Yeah. Yeah. And so he has to bring you through this waiting season where things feel confusing, things feel, you know, uh, (laughs) just like, God, there's so much uncertainty because it brings you to that place of humility, of being a student, of saying, God, show me, how do you want me to do this? What do you want me to do? Because our lives are not just for us, right? Our lives are literally to be poured out for God's people. And God uses the waiting season. For me, one of the things I've learned that He prepares me in the waiting season with a vision. And the waiting season is where I have clarity. And I love that so much because I want to build what God is building. I don't want to build what I'm thinking or what I feel. I want to build what God is building. One of my greatest inspiration is Noah. When the Lord said to him, now you would build according to the pattern that I will show you. And that's what happens in the waiting season. That was a waiting season for Noah. But God said, according to what I will show you. And so during that time, I'm like, God, show me what's next for my life and let me build according to that, not whatever I'm coming up in my head. You know, but to your point though, Laurie, I think there are a lot of people at the moment who have replaced hope with dread, Mm -hmm. you know, with this Mm -hmm. feeling of what might happen and what could be. Mm -hmm. And I, I was thinking about a time when, after I'd spent a month in a psychiatric hospital and was released, 
And there was just one person in my life who was just determined to destroy me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they told all sorts of lies about me. And the hard thing was that some people believed them that I thought wouldn't have. Right. Said that I'd made the whole thing about my father's suicide up, that that never happened, that, you know, wow. all this stuff. But I was so physically weak anyway. Um, I just wasn't in a good place. I felt so, so weak. And I remember a really good friend of mine saying to me, um, Sheila, how, how long are you going to run and try and put out little fires? Why don't you just collapse into the arms of a father who will hold you while you're waiting? Because my thing is, but this is happening, but that's happening. And he's like, yeah. So do you, and it is exhausting, but do you trust, is your trust for the damage they can do greater than the good that God will do? Mm -hmm. So they brought that verse and they said, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies. And I remember praying a prayer because I'd come from being, you know, a musician, author, TV host. Mm -hmm. And I remember so clearly that night sitting in front of the fire in my little apartment and saying, Lord, it's all yours. And if you don't want to put one thing back in my hand again, thank you. And I love you because you're enough. You're enough. And I'm I'm going to love you more than I'm afraid of somebody else. And it was just, oh gosh, God has been so good to me in teaching me through the worst times in life, the times you would think, oh no, not that. And yet you're, you're there and then you discover there's another in the fire and it changes everything. Forever. 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 Yeah. I love what you said though, because it it has to do with not just believing and reading, but out of your mouth. And I think earlier this week, you talked about the the declaration to be made verbally is, is how we agree with the truth of God's word, but it's like, it's the precursor to the action, right? So I, I hear, you know, I read the word, I hear the word, I speak the word out of my mouth and then it sets my feet on the path to yep. walk that That's out. Right. Absolutely. So it's just, it's literally how we get one foot in front of the other. I always go back to the Psalms when I'm in need of encouragement, when I'm in need of guidance and an understanding about a perspective shift that I need to have or a mindset change or something that needs to be adjusted either in my spirit or intellectually how I'm approaching a problem. I find myself in the myself in the Psalms a lot of the times. And then when I'm looking for practical wisdom, I hang out in the Proverbs. And my daughter and I, because we interact and do a lot of interactive Bible studies together, we just land on those verses where we feel like God is trying to impart strategic wisdom on us in whatever season we're in. And we just naturally create like an ebb and flow through the pages of scripture. I try, my organized structured brain really likes to make it like very rigid and let's sit down with a plan for Bible study. But I feel like what God's really been showing me in this season is just to surrender the need to like micromanage almost the way that I'm diving into scripture and to instead sit down and say, Lord, what do you have for me inside this book today? And so often, I think we talked about this a little during the show, was we asked the question like, what should I be doing? Or what page should I be going to? Where actually the question we can reframe for ourselves is, God, what are you doing in this book for me today? Where are you at work in this book? And how do you want to be ministering to me inside the inerrant book that is your word? Point me to those passages that you feel will best meet me in what I'm facing today and allow him to lead you instead of micromanaging that situation to death. I have to think that the angels, I mean, I have to just think, like when you're on your face in the bathroom and you told that story earlier this week and you're just like, if you're there, 
She went, I, I just have to think they're going, yay! <laughs> yay! <laughs> no, because I mean, it, it, scripture tells us angels watch with wonder mm, yeah. as uh, working our salvation out. Yeah. And, and I think when any man, woman or child says, God, I don't like this, yeah. but I love you. Yeah. I just think heaven celebrates. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, I think it's so key that you brought that up because I know even for me, there was a time in my life where I lived with this idea of the fear of losing a loved one. Mm -hmm. um, and it was almost, yeah, it was almost crippling. And, I'm, and so even if my mom would be on the phone, even if she just coughed, I'm in prayer. I'm like, God, I am declaring healing over her body right now. <laughs> and she's like, Stephanie, it's just, I was like, no, mom, we're not going to cough before the end of the day. <laughs> And it would be like intense prayer. Yeah. And I was like, this is coming from fear. Yeah. And yeah. literally, I remember when the Holy Spirit confronted that. Mm -hmm. And it was that even if your worst nightmare happened, envision that. Yeah. Would it end you? Would yeah. it kill you? Would it, yeah. what, where would, what would your life look like? Mm -hmm. And that moment, it reminded me that I do not own anything. Mm -hmm. I don't own my mother's life. Yeah. I don't own yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. I am only a steward of whatever I have in my now. And recognizing that God, I will still have you. Mm -hmm. Even though I know that could be difficult, that could be very hard, but I know you will see me through even a very tough time. And it was so healing because I think many times we, you know, or even and others, they carry this burden yeah. of what if in a negative way. Mm -hmm. But you have to sometimes envision, and if, and if it did happen, mm -hmm. right. you know, because even Job said the very thing I feared had happened to me, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes we have to release that because then it becomes our worship. Mm -hmm. And so even though you're just looking at it like, okay, God, please, you know, when I'm going out and you're praying from this fear, but then it becomes worship. Mm -hmm. And then God is just, you know, helping you to yeah. worship that. Yeah. But that's the very thing, because I remember one time um, a gentleman said to me, he was like, you know, for many people, God can't bless them with finances because if he did, they would no longer worship him. I said, I don't think that's the case because that means they were never worshiping God. They were mm -hmm. worshiping finances and yeah. God was a means to finances, mm -hmm. right? He, mm -hmm. They're using him as, okay, God, bless me with this, bless me with this, bless me with this. And I think it's the same way. If we're only, if our faith in the Lord is only to protect us mm -hmm. from what we dread, then are we worshiping him or mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. And we're using him as a buffer to say, God, please don't let this happen to me. I'm a child of God. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Please, I love you, Lord. <laughs> and I think that sometimes we just have to recognize at the end of the day, God is still good. Yes. No matter what may come our way, it doesn't yeah. mean it, will, it may not be difficult, but God, you will see me through it. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. message paraphrase so says, those who worry their prayers mm. are like wind whipped yeah. waves, yeah. meaning everything that happens, that that's what's forming your prayers. Yeah. Not the Holy Spirit, yeah. not the Holy not Spirit, not the scripture, mm -mm. but your circumstances. Mm. And, yeah. and just too many people allow what's happening yeah. to formulate their prayers. But yet Jesus modeled, thy kingdom come, yeah. mm -hmm. thy will be done. Yes. It's supposed to be an invasion of the heaven onto earth, not my worries, you know, and then they throw exactly. it into heaven. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I think it just shows the powerful force of hope. Yes. You know, of what do you choose this day? <laughs> Life or death? There's hope 
kind of in both of them. There's mm-hmm. there's a hope, a blessed hope that we get though as Christ followers, as believers, that when you have hope, you have everything because you have God. I love that. What would you say has been maybe one of the biggest lessons that you can even speak? You know, earlier in the week, we talked about declaring to the next generation, declaring to your family. What would you say waiting has done for you? Mm. Like one of the most pivotal things that it has done in your life. There was a moment where God said, I'm going to take you out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he said, you, this is a season for you to be alone with me. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he said, when I bring you to myself, that is the greatest invitation. Mm-hmm. He said, but you have to decide whether you're going to be lonely mm-hmm. or alone. Mm-hmm. And so I said, all right, I need your help with that. And he said, alone means it's you and me. Mm-hmm. Lonely means you look at everything you're missing. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes in a season of waiting, God is saying, it's about you, Stephanie, and it's about me, and it's about what I'm doing in you and what you are hearing from me. And I also think that waiting is kind of an intermission because God is doing some scene changes Mm -hmm. behind the curtain. And so there's an intermission in your life, and then He reveals the next season. That's That's beautiful. That is so good. Actually, I would even want to pray into that, right? That we, you know, not just us, but everyone who's tuning into this conversation, just to have rest in the waiting season and recognizing that even when you don't see what the hand of God is doing, that they would trust His heart. And so, Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful for You. We are grateful, Lord God, that You are our shepherd and You are a good shepherd. You prepare a way for us in everything. Heavenly Father, I pray for anyone who is struggling in the waiting season, Lord God, that they will change it from waiting with complaints, waiting with fear, waiting with anxiety, to waiting with hope. Lord God, and You are the hope of our salvation. You are the hope of our lives. You are hope. And so, Lord God, that they will cling to the person of hope, and that is you, Jesus. That they would recognize that, Lord, with you, they have everything they need. That, Lord God, and they will submit to the very things you're calling them to do in the now. Lord Jesus, I mean, who better than you? You had moments even when you wanted to go into the temple <laughs> and teach, and, and you had to also be obedient, Lord, to the, to the natural parents at the time. But, Lord God, you also understood the power of waiting, the power of waiting for the appointed time to reveal yourself. Heavenly Father, I pray that your children, your sons and your daughters, Lord God, that they will cling to this hope. They will cling to this hope to know that nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. That God, you will change every narrative, every lie, every stronghold of the enemy, oh God, and you would renew their mind with your truth, with your love, with your promise. And we thank you, Lord, that your children will be anchored in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.